Welcome to the Hoops and Recreation podcast. The playoffs are here. We've got you covered. I'm your co-host for today, Matt. And with me, as always, the biggest thing in basketball to come out of the year 1985, Mark. My introduction this week is a tribute to NCAA champion, three times Olympic champion, member of the NBA, top 75 team, top 10 scorer all time, Carmelo Anthony. And our sixth man of the year every year, Wardy. Hey, dudes. We have a great episode for you today with lots to talk about, so let's get started. Did you feel like that was a bit redundant after mine, Wardy? <laughs> yeah, I did. I thought, <laughs> Sorry, I slightly, before I said it, I knew it was going to sound rubbish and I think I, uh, I leaned into it and it sounded even worse. <laughs> I stitched you up, I'm sorry. <laughs> hey, it's uh, worth it. Hey, the, the Hey Dudes is consistent across all the episodes, so consistency is key. Flat- it's, a, it's a classic. Exactly. You can't beat the classics. Uh, well, um, I tell you what, guys, it's, it's been an eventful uh, week in terms of basketball. We've had one NBA series that uh, was over before we could uh, kind of blink, and another that was an emotional roller coaster, which we will get into in just a moment. Before we do that, we will go straight into our one word headlines, the same as we do every single week. Uh, if you're new to the podcast, first of all, welcome. Um, to introduce this segment, every single week, I give Mark a series of NBA headlines, and he simply responds with a single word or most of the time a short to medium phrase um mark are you ready as always it's getting longer every week (laughs) (laughs) oh dear i feel like i have to cover all basis now just in case it's a medium to short phrase soon it's going to be a paragraph by next season um (laughs) well we'll we'll jump straight in with headline number one and that is uh the denver nuggets sweep the lakers to make their very first nba finals Cut my life into pieces. We just got swept in four. But we're singing now as well, are we? We're singing as well. I did not prepare the audience for that. Um, headline number two, uh, the Miami Heat ends the Celtics comeback with a game seven win at Boston. Jalen down. Um, Nick Nurse agrees a deal to become the next head coach of the 76ers. The doctor is out. But the nurse is in. I'm so happy. You've been waiting like all week to say that one as well. <laughs> yesterday. Yesterday. <laughs> but yeah, I'm proud of myself on that one. Um, the uh, headline number four, the Milwaukee Bucks uh, offer a deal to Raptors assistant coach Adrian Griffin to be their next head coach. From no idea to new idea. Oh, I like that one as well. And uh, last but not least, the NBA has opened an investigation over alleged uh, burner accounts for NBA official Eric Lewis. What's fake and at the same time official? Ooh. <laughs> Eric Lewis's burner account. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. What a week of uh, NBA. Um I tell you what, I feel like there's not a lot to talk about, but at the same time, a lot to talk about because we've only had two series for the last week or so, but they couldn't have gone in more opposite directions. Um, We'll start with a quick roundup of the quickest series, which was Nuggets versus Lakers. Um, 
I feel like the Lakers have been this kind of fairy tale story in the West. After being written off for the entire season, they managed to make it into the playoffs through the play-in, finally bringing together a decent team after the trade deadline. And they overcome the Memphis Grizzlies and they overcome the Warriors. And uh, then they get absolutely spanked by the Nuggets 4-0. Um, fantastic for Nuggets fans because uh, it's the first time that they've reached the finals, as we said in the headlines. But um, Talk about a dominant force in Murray and Jokic. We've been talking about it the whole way through the playoffs, but they just single-handedly destroyed the Lakers. I think when we recorded last, they might have been either 2-0 up or 3-0 up. I can't remember. It was 3-0 up, wasn't it? Because we said when we were recording, the Lakers could be out by the time the episode airs. And of course, that's exactly what happened. Um, I said it during last week's episode. I'll say it again. The Lakers just had nothing that they could possibly kind of do to answer the, the Nuggets? I don't know if they could have played better like in that fourth game. They, they played pretty much as well as they could have done against that team. And it was like a pretty close back and forth game, wasn't it? Um, it in fact, they, the Nuggets were down 15 at one point and then kind of rallied back. AD hits two free throws with a minute to, to go, evens the game up. And then Jokic just, you know, hits that go-ahead. <laughs> Which is just a classic Jokic shot, isn't it? Yeah. And then they still have a chance at the end um, on the LeBron drive, which is kind of blocked by a mixture of, of Gordon um, and Murray. But I don't know about you guys. I, I thought LeBron looked tired on that drive. I know he'd played all 48 minutes, spare a few seconds, um, but it, it, he looked tired on that drive. It didn't It didn't feel like it was... a an attempt that was going to go in. Does that make sense? No, 100%. You could see by the way he approached it that he just, he, he, was, he kind of got to that spot and just thought, wow, what, like, what do I do now? It was, it was almost like a moment that we kind of saw that LeBron was human in the sense of he kind of got himself into a situation that he kind of went, ah, I've kind of messed up here and then just got <laughs> swarmed by Nuggets players. Like you said, it was kind of, a, it was a combination. I'm pretty sure three out of the five players all could claim that block uh, against LeBron because it just seemed like he got to kind of near the post and it was just Nuggets all around him. And yeah, you just, in that moment, it was like, there's just absolutely nothing that he could do. I mean, I'm probably being harsh on LeBron saying that he was tired. He had 40, 40 points, 10 rebounds, nine assists. And like I said, he, and he didn't he didn't play about four seconds of the game, which is when he walked off before half time, forcing Tristan Thompson to do his half time interview for him. <laughs> oh, amazing how it's uh, Tristan. Do you mind having a few words? Yeah, can we just talk to you about LeBron, please? <laughs> of course, of course. He was just happy to have some TV time, wasn't he? Really, he he came on in the second quarter, and, and actually, <laughs> which is a bit weird considering he'd only sort of had fourth quarter contributions. And obviously not played all season, but he came in on the second quarter of this game and actually done a reasonable job uh, guarding Jokic. I should have, would have, could have. Maybe they should have had him right at the beginning. <laughs> yeah, more Tristan Thompson moments. That's what they need. <laughs> I don't think any Lakers fan <laughs> ever thought. You know what we could do in this series? More Tristan Thompson. Um, Wardy, what did you think about this series? It was over too quick. I think we had really high hopes, didn't we? Um, and then when we recorded last week, it was 3-0. We said, you know, LeBron will, LeBron will get one back. And I think he, you know, it was all on him at the end of the line, uh, that last shot. I think um, him being a superstar came into play. I, I think guys like LeBron know if anyone's going to go to the basket on a desperation, it's got to be him. Yeah. Because he's, you know, he's got the pedigree. He can do it. He's big, strong, and he's also LeBron James. 
one of the greatest players to ever play. Um, and that's where you get those calls, isn't it? But well, credit to the Nuggets. I mean, they were awesome on that play. You, you know, they didn't bottle it. They didn't, you know, step back or anything. They did the same. They've done all series, really, which was great defence. I mean, Aaron Gordon, he's really shown himself the entire postseason because, you know, he's matched up reasonably well with LeBron. Um, like you say, I think tiredness playing all those games beforehand. And, you know, Le- LeBron and the Lakers had some real battles leading up to that. Uh, but Aaron Gordon did amazing against Kevin Durant. You know, he's done as well as anyone could against two of the greatest players in the game. Um, and I think that just offers so much. I mean, I'm super excited now for to see them versus the Heat. Again, you've got two totally different teams, but wow, you can have some amazing moments, I think. We talked about the Aaron Gordon contributions a bit last week, didn't we? And uh, again, Michael Porter Jr. and Bruce Brown, they were all just absolutely huge in this game. Michael Porter Jr. even had six assists, which is a rarity for him because he generally finishes a game with zero assists. Um, <laughs> so uh, it, it's a full team effort. Of course, Joker won the uh, the Western Conference playoff MVP. Uh, and a nice touch, I thought, in his press conference when he said that Embiid absolutely deserved the regular season MVP and he shouldn't have been slated um, for his uh, his playoff performances. He's a fantastic player and he was the best player during the regular season. I feel like Jokic is just like, again, you've just said there, fair play to him. But I feel like with Jokic, everything just seems so black and white in the way that he talks. Like you can see in all of his press conferences, he doesn't beat around the bush or give any sort of like... Uh, I don't know if politically correct answer, more like media trained answers. He just says exactly what's on his mind, doesn't he? Every single time he has an opportunity. And I think you can, from that, you can tell that what he said about um, Embiid wasn't him just being humble. Like he was genuinely sincere about what he said, which is, again, I think great for someone like Embiid that, of course, another year questions in the postseason. So I think overall, good on him. Jokic just is who he is. Exactly, yeah. He he doesn't look like a basketball player. He plays in a way only Jokic can play. And he is unapologetically his personality. He's the type of person you'd love to go for a drink with and just talk absolute shit. You'd, there'd be no basketball talk. I have no doubt about that. He'd just be banging on about all types of things. But he's uh, has a great outlook on life, uh, I think. And he's also the type of person that I think will completely disappear off the face of the planet once he retires from basketball. Oh, yeah, 100%. You're not going to see him doing, like, kind of... He's going to be like TNT. No, exactly. He's, he's not He's not going to join the halftime show. He's probably no. going to, like... He's going to own, like, a horse farm or something in the mountains or something, isn't he? Like, it's, that, he's just going to be, like... Do you remember that one? Do you remember that guy, Jokic, who basically could do absolutely anything? Yeah, like, well, I wonder what he's doing now. And he'll, yeah, just have, like, some random piece of land and just love life for the rest of his days he'll go he'll go back to that shape of his uh, uh, all the memes have come out he was a kid saying this is this kid beat lebron in the playoffs he'll, he'll look like that very shortly after his career's uh, over i think devon booker's worst enemy and it's like this, this <laughs> short fat kid <laughs> yeah uh, um back to lebron as well uh hinted that he might retire uh and it also came out a little bit later that he had a torn uh, tendon in his foot my thoughts were kind of excuses a little bit. If you had that torn tendon, why didn't you say anything before? And also, I thought that the retirement talk was kind of a necessary distraction. 
Like it, it felt like he had to make it about him, whereas you can't imagine Jokic doing something like that. Yeah, and no, I think you're absolutely right. And um, uh, from from a lot of the other kind of sources that I've been listening to, various podcasts, reading various articles and things like this, everyone has said exactly the same thing, and that is you really think LeBron is going to retire without having a swan song season. Do you know what I mean? Like when LeBron retires, we are going to know it's his final season and he is going to do the kind of Dwayne Wade jersey swap on every single game. And like, we are going to know because it makes so much sense for the ratings. It makes so much sense for ticket sales. Like if you as a fan know that this is potentially going to be your last ever opportunity to watch LeBron play your team at home, why would you make that a secret and just announce it after you get swept in the conference finals? Like we're going to know in advance when it's his last series uh, season. It'll be like Kobe's times Dwayne Wade's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it will be absolutely massive. Every single game will be completely sold out, and there'll be a huge, uh, you know, video montage of everything that LeBron's ever done against that team with that team. There'll be jerseys retired at half the stadiums in the league. There's no way he just like, yeah, I lost. You know, I'm done actually. Like, like, like Igadawa style style yeah no it's typical LeBron isn't it you know he's already planned so many years ahead he just needed to bring it back to him he wants everybody to miss him a little bit and he comes back a little bit stronger he's he maybe he's also preempting that he won't be as good next year saying he's had this injury and everyone knows when you get an injury when you're older it slows you down so it's just kind of lowering expectations maybe but even said he's not that bothered about playing for his kid. He absolutely is. And he's got the leverage to do it still. And this is why he needs to do these things to keep that leverage, to keep his name out there, you know, to make people go, Oh, we can't have LeBron just wander off. And you know, he's got a plan and this is his part of it. That was the other rumor, wasn't it? That he would actually retire, forego the money owed to him and have a year out, recover his body and therefore become a free agent so that he could sign for, whoever Bronny signs for, which is quite shrewd, actually, but I, I don't think it's going to happen either. No, but also you're LeBron James, so who, who really cares? And I also think that um, he's he might be thinking about if he really wants to play on a really bad team because, you know, I think at the moment uh, Bronny uh, Jr. is projected, well, my word's not coming out today, he's projected to be top 10 or at least a lottery pick. So you're not going to get on a good basketball team really unless luck plays out. So maybe he's still looking for that next ring as well. What if the Spurs aren't that good under Wemby and then they, they get top 10 pick again, they get Bronny <laughs> and they get LeBron James. LeBron gets to play with Pop, his son mm. and Wemby. Probably wow. still not good enough to win a ring. No. But it'd be quite fun. It would be fun, but I I feel as if Brody's going to end up in like Utah or something like that, and LeBron's going to be there like, oh, for God's sake, if like, <laughs> do I really have to go to Utah? Like, I feel like it's going to be something like that, isn't it? Or he's going to end up in Detroit, and Bron's like, for God's sake, final seasons in Detroit, here we go. Um, yeah, I, I don't think it's going to be. I mean, the ultimate irony would be if Bronny signs for Orlando after him going on his barbershop saying that if he ever got 
um, traded to Orlando, he just wouldn't turn up. Like that would be the ultimate. Like <laughs> it could well happen as well if like Brody ends up to the Magic and LeBron's like, oh for God's sake, right, that's it. Guess I love Disney World. Um, it would be just incredible. But talking about incredible things, we'll we'll move on from the Lakers and we'll move on to the more exciting series, really, which is uh, Miami versus Boston. Because I said earlier, this was an absolute roller coaster. We were talking last week about surely both series can't be a sweep, and uh, it went the complete opposite. It went Game Seven, Heat went three up, and Boston all of a sudden came back to make it 3-3. I feel like whatever the hell changed in the Boston locker room when they all said, don't let us get one, like bottle that and sell it because the motivation behind that team for those three games was absolutely incredible. One of the things we've said all season about Boston, and again, everyone else has said this as well, is Boston are great when they're three points uh, three-pointers are landing and they finally managed to get their three-point percentage over 40% and at that point they are near on in, uh, unstoppable and for those three games they shot over 40% and for those three games they really looked like Miami couldn't touch them apart from game six where the Miami fans were of course celebrating a little bit too prematurely before Derek White's incredible putback uh, to kind of give Boston the the game six uh, victory but um, yeah I think overall this series first three games Jimmy and Bam absolutely destroyed Boston the supporting cast were doing supporting cast things as we've been saying the whole time felt like games four through six Jimmy and Bam kind of let things go a little bit I don't know that motivation seemed to have gone that killer Jimmy Buckets uh, wasn't there and uh, I don't Bam's know. numbers are terrifying yeah in, in games four to six yeah 100 percent, absolutely horrific he drops from 18 points a game to 12 uh, he drops from uh, five assists to two assists and his plus minus dropped from plus 62 to minus 30 wow and he, and he, and he wasn't good in game seven either no. particularly I almost feel like with Miami, like they almost need that adversity to to kind of they they need to be in that kind of underdog scenario, and it was almost like it it took them to go to Game Seven. Like, are, is this Miami of all Miami going to be the team where they finally let someone come back from a three nil loss or a three nil um, lead? I feel like it took Miami to get in that position to to kind of close this series out, but. Um, Wardy, once again, what do you think about this one? It really did seem like the Celtics were going to win yeah. last night. We're obviously recording the day after. Um, it, it felt like that. I, I wanted the heat to go through. I went to bed thinking, I'm going to wake up and Celtics are going to be celebrating. I thought I'm going to be gutted. <laughs> we <laughs> so, all did. So I was, yeah. I, I'd even come up with, because um, I think Mark and I, we we said this would finish at a, a gentleman's sweep. So 3-0 three, three up. Um get one back and then finish them off. So I was thinking there's, there's never been a reverse sweep before. And I thought reverse sweep is a bit terrible. Uh, the only thing I could come up with better was a possum sweep. A possum sweep. Play dead. Let the team go three up and then come <laughs> back and win all four games. <laughs> I felt, I feel really good that the Heat have won, but I also want to get that out there. So, you know, there you go. If it ever happens in NBA history, Adam Silver, please make sure you check this and credit me for a possum sweep when that becomes world famous phrase. Incredible, but it, but unfortunately, or, or I should say, fortunately, it's still 
no team has ever done it. So it's 151 uh, attempts now. Uh, they are they are they're the fifth team to get it back to uh, three three, and, and they're the first team to have that have that game seven at home as well, mm. um, which shows you what a hole they were in to lose the first two at home and then one away, which is you know when you get to that stage with the higher city team that really really happens, doesn't it? When you drop both at home and they can't win one back. I mean that game three in Miami when you know Jimmy did the timeout celebration and they got blown out in that you you just thought well this is over mm-hmm. and then they they scraped back game four they came back everybody stepped up really big and then again game six you know with with their asses on the line miami take the lead off the you know the jimmy butler with the free throws off that al horford uh al horford foul in the corner there they run the play, Smart misses it, and Wyatt just sneaks in with a second to go. I mean, you couldn't have written it, no. could you? Like, and, and you thought, right, this is the the Philly series happening all over again. You know, <laughs> the Celtics had five elimination games, five elimination games because two from Philly, yeah, and then three, also six, six in total. They won five of them, uh, and then lost that game seven, which is crazy. Yeah, it's mad. The the thing about game seven that I really, really like to see is um, whatever the hell Caleb Martin had for breakfast, uh, I feel like needs to be the kind of dish for Miami, like the, the, the famous Miami dish or something, because he did not have the right to do some of the things that he was doing during that game. Like the, some of the plays that he was making, he was what, um, 11 for 16? In the game, 26 points, 10 rebounds, three assists, um, six, nearly 67% from three. Like, again, I feel as if, if they win a ring, J. Cole needs a ring. After, like, all of this coming out of the fact that he messaged the Heat, like, sign my guy Caleb Martin. But, like, I feel like J. Cole... <laughs> I didn't know Did that. you not? So, obviously, he was at the Hornets before and he messaged... Yeah. He got in contact with someone at the Heat and was like, my guy Caleb Martin, like, needs a team. Like, do you want to sign him? So J. <laughs> Cole brilliant. needs a ring if the if Miami Heat win this because he's been absolutely outstanding. Watching him last night, it felt like some MJ yep. had definitely worn off of him at some point. Like, there was some Kobe-esque moves, like the one under the basket where, where Tatum was chasing and he turns around and here's that fade away. You're like, hang on. Who, who am I watching it? This is a bloke who's been coming off the bench. He only made his first start in game six. Like, this is a role player. Oh, sorry, as, as Jimmy calls him, a teammate. Yeah, a teammate. There we go. Well, this is the thing. We've seen him for the entire series as just a 3 and D guy. Like, okay, he's had a couple of like drives and things like this where Jimmy or, or Bam have managed to get a little bit of attention. But we've only ever seen him as a spot-up shooter and someone that is kind of cutting back door and, and, and getting baskets that way. And he was just... Going, he he had the most minutes of any Heat player last night. Forty, nearly forty-five minutes last night. Again, with those stats, you would have thought he was Jimmy Butler last night. Like it's 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 Caleb buckets right now. It's not Jimmy buckets. It's there was Caleb a few buckets. People saying that he should have won the MVP, wasn't there? Which which I think is a, a little bit much considering he hasn't played that much and obviously wasn't even in the starting lineup. But his contribution in the last few games has been absolutely huge. And we've talked about that with the Heat before. Next man up. That, that's what their mentality has been this whole playoff. Highsmith came into the lineup last night, had a great steal and a bucket, 10 minutes, but a fantastic contribution within that time. And look at Duncan Robinson, how he's evolved, uh, like kind of as the series has gone on as well. 
got more important and played more minutes as well. That is what heat culture is is all about. Yeah, and just when you think they can surprise you anymore, you get that Caleb Martin performance, don't you? Like you know, you've had your surprises of the underdogs getting you know, right up there on the edge of the finals and then they go and do something else that no one was expecting, um, which, which is incredible. And I, I think Jimmy Butler as well was was great in identifying that the job's not done when he got given the Larry Bird Eastern Conference Finals uh, MVP. He, you know, he wasn't that bothered. And, and when the, the they gave up the finals award, he was shaking his head going, no, this isn't the one we want. This is not the one we want. Um, job's not done. Job's not done. Job done. Job's not done. <laughs> but yeah, and you know, even the accolades. I think you said it earlier. You know, he's not really into those things. He just wants to. Um, he wants to get to the final, win that ring. Um, you know, being MVP doesn't mean anything unless he does that. Um, so I've got something for you guys. The way Jimmy Butler's been playing, and he keeps surprising us year after year, and especially this run. Do you think he's a Hall of Fame player? Oh, yes. I was going to say, I think yes. I think his overall contribution so far, I think he probably, yeah, I think he probably is. Hmm. So I was having a look at the uh, sort of the lowest draft picks to make the Hall of Fame. And there's not a huge amount. There's only a few um, that Manu? are. Yeah, so Manu, Manu was one. He was 57th pick in 1999 and he got enshrined uh, at the end of last year um there's only one undrafted player uh all these guys i'm only i'm only going to do the guys that you'll guess some of them are pretty old and we weren't around for um but the the undrafted player do you want to have a quick guess before we give you a clue give us a team uh i'll tell you he only came in the last few years he's a i sabonis no a he was a high draft pick. He oh, he sat. was a draft pick. We just came in late, didn't he? Yeah. Um, he's one of the defensive player of the year multiple times. Um, famous for one team. Um, famous for his hair. Didn't really contribute other than defense. And he's he won. Rodman. Dennis Rodman. Uh, no, he's on the list, but not I mean, that He high. was drafted. He's not undrafted. Well. Yeah. Um, won one championship. Um, one of the hardest hardest working teams, one of the hardest working cities in America. He's probably famous in his early career for getting absolutely obliterated by Kobe in summer league. I was going to say, why can't I think? Okay, we're going. Oh, it's the bird. I was literally going to say the bird man. No, no, no. What? No. Oh. He's, he's not in the Hall of Fame. Come on. Um, no, he's not, is he? No. Go on. Big, terrible. Big afro for headband. Um, oh, ben, oh Wallace. ben Wallace. Ben Wallace. <laughs> there you go. So he's the only undrafted player to make the Hall of Fame so far. I'm really disappointed. It took me that long to get Ben Wallace. Yeah, it was, I thought that. you'd be. A bit, I thought you'd be a bit quicker. Yeah. Um, next was 122nd pick is Dan. Isol, I think he's a, a Nuggets legend. Uh, 122nd pick, Jesus. <laughs> that was when they had the same as the NFL kind of picks, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's, yeah, you kind of stuck where you didn't. Um, 117th pick was Artis Gilmore, so a bit of a well, more well-known wow. name. Uh, and then, as we said earlier, at 57 was Manu Ginobili. Um, this guy is a legend. He was a bit of an ABA, NBA legend. He was a 57th pick. Um, he's got a very famous retro Nike advert. One of the coolest guys, coolest guys you'll ever meet. 
Okay, normally, Woody, I can guess my way through your games, and uh, I feel like I've really met my maker this time around. He's on a special throne in this Nike advert. Moses Malone. No, but you, you're, you're super close. It's another one of those real classic. It's a throne made of ice. Oh, George Gervin. Yeah, George Gervin. He was a 40th pick. Uh, Iceman. Iceman. Some guy called Louis Dampier, who've never heard of before and didn't bother Googling. So sorry, Louis. He was 38. And um, 36. And the last one that anyone will remember um, is sort of a late 70s to 80s player. Played probably most famous of the Philadelphia 76ers. He's been a coach for a very long time. Not currently head coach. He's currently assistant coach. He was on that championship team with Dr. J in Philadelphia and Moses Malone. Point guard. Again, I'm really showing my lack of NBA knowledge here. Uh, if you saw somebody with three bums, you'd say, wow, that guy's got Mo Cheeks. <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely wish that his nickname was Three Bums. If he was British, it would be, wouldn't it? <laughs> oh, 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 Three Bums over there. <laughs> Mo cheeks. Oh dear. That was brilliant, Wardy. Yeah. So Jimmy Jimmy could be on that list. He could be on that list. Um very quickly, future ones that could come. Uh Mark Gasol, he was 48th. Nikola Jokic, he's a uh, at 41st. Draymond Green, 35, and Tony Parker, 28. So it's it's very rare for someone drafted that low to make the Hall of Fame. So Well, I feel like if Jimmy and the Heat win this series then I, th- I feel as if that surely has to stamp it. I mean, take if he can be the leader of a team that is the first team in history to go from the play-in to win a chip. I feel like that in itself has to speak has to has has to play a big part in him getting to that point. There was a lot of talk, wasn't there? Like, is he is he the second best Heat player ever? Like after Dwayne Wade, you know, has is, is he contributed more than LeBron? I mean, LeBron brought two chips. I think I I think I saw a couple of things that was like. there was a picture and it was like the two best players to play for the Heat and it was LeBron and D-Wade but it was like then another picture of Jimmy and D-Wade and it was like Mm. Miami's favourite players ever and I think that's probably the difference is that yeah Jimmy probably isn't the best player to play for the Heat but you talk to any Heat player right now and I'm pretty sure everyone is loving Jimmy Buckets so he must be up there as one of the favourites I guess UD's got to be on that list yeah Zoe is probably on that list he was a big favourite yeah, wasn't it? He was pretty impactful. Tim Hardaway, again, when the Heat weren't very good, there wasn't a lot of uh, fan favourites to go by. <laughs> but actually, Tim Hardaway was great, and Zoe was great as well. Well, I tell you what, we, we, we just said there about um, what if the Heat win the finals. We should probably spend a little bit of time talking about uh, finals predictions and things like this. And I tell you what, I am finding it really, really, really tough to work out which way I want to sway with this um, series because based on the Nuggets performance against the Lakers and the Heat and how well we see them throughout the entire playoffs, I'm really, really stuck. I think fundamentally the Nuggets are the better team, so that makes me want to side with the Nuggets. Uh, the Nuggets did actually win both of their regular season games against the Heat. Uh, they won 124-119 to 119 and then 112-109. to 109. So even there you can see not huge kind of margins between those two games. Obviously small sample size, completely different in the playoffs. Um, in 
the first game, Jokic, of course, got a triple-double. And uh, in the second game, Jimmy was near a triple-double, and so was Jokic. So both kind of stars really played very well this series uh, or this season against one another. Um, but the Heat team was obviously very, very different. Um, you had Tyler Hero playing a massive, massive role for the Heat this time. We weren't seeing the minutes for the Caleb Martins and your Struces and your Gabe Vincents and Duncan Robinsons. We weren't seeing the supporting players being the supporting players during those games. So it is a very, very different looking Heat team right now with a lot of momentum. But the Nuggets are just, again, fundamentally the better team. Um, and I don't know if the Heat necessarily have the one-on-one matchups to go against some of the weapons that the Nuggets have. Like that two-man game with um, Murray and uh, Jokic, I have no idea who, how Miami are going to deal with that. But again, Miami are really, really good at just messing stuff up. They're really, really good at just stopping other teams doing what they want to do. So I'm really on the fence with what I think, how, how this is going to go. What do you, if I was to push you, who do you think is going to come out with the chip at the end of this? I think it will be the Nuggets. It seems almost inevitable at this point. I mean, the Heat have done brilliantly and they've had a really tough challenge all the way through the East. Um, and not to say the Nuggets haven't, but their consistency through the season. Like I don't think they've had a major injury to anyone this season. You know, they've had probably nearly 82 games to get in the swing of things, plus you know, however, however many they've had already. Um, and I think I could see this being a bit of a disappointment and I've, I could see it being quite quick. And I think the key for me is Bam does not have a good matchup no, at all. not at all. If you think all the way back the Nuggets' first round, they had um, Gobert and Towns. Obviously, you know, a couple of a big, go- uh, big dudes and they really had to focus on them. Um, then you have Kevin Durant and should have had DeAndre Ayton being a bit of a problem for them. Um, and then they've they've battled another couple of, you know, big guys in LeBron and AD. And now they're just going to have to try. Tristan Thompson, please don't. And, oh, sorry. <laughs> and, and, contribution. <laughs> Thank you. And Tristan, Tristan Thompson as well. Um, but now they've got uh, one undersized center to deal with. And I think that's just going to be too much for the Heat because they'll have to rely a lot more on Kevin Love as good as he's been. Um you know, it's it's going to be struggle for him, and then Kobe Zeller's not going to be able to do much. You know, he's going to have as much luck as Jock Landau stopping um, Jokic. Love and Zeller haven't played the last two games at all, no minutes. So it will be interesting. We know Spo's not afraid to change things up. So I think you're right. You might see some love at centre, maybe if they want to stretch the floor a little bit. Bam's quite good at bringing the ball down and facilitating, but Jokic does that for a hobby. So. It's not like that's going to be weird for most centers. That's something strange, you know, coming out and having to guard that for Jokic. It's like, yeah, don't worry. I do this shit every day, mate. Yeah. Uh, he is an elite playmaker as well. <laughs> not quite like Bam was for, for, for one half. Uh, he's, he's been an elite playmaker for a very long time. But um, I, I think 4-1 Nuggets here, I think that matchup with the big guys is just going to be too overwhelming for Miami, even with their scrappiness i think you see some great moments from them but i think the consistency the size and just the role the nuggets are on i think it's going to be 4-1 mark if i was to push you for a prediction what do you think such interesting styles of play from both of them you've got the nuggets who are this well-oiled professional machine we talked before about everybody knows their roles they've got a clear hierarchy they all 
clearly do what they do every single game. They do it to perfection. They've had a full, fully fit squad, you know, for every single game. They were the number one seed. And then we've got this absolute contrast in style with this scrappy Heat team, made it through to the play-in, lost the first game, you know, had a really uh, tough first-round matchup. Um, had that, uh, you know, this this matchup now, this series where they've, they've they they were three 0 up, and then they've they've lost three elimination games in a row, you know, and managed to to get a win on that last game. You've got players who are out injured. This is kind of this dog mentality, this next man up mentality. It's an absolutely complete different style of play um, to each other, which I think makes it really fun and interesting. I can only see it going the Nuggets way because of the type of team that they are. They just look like it's strictly business. They know who they are. They're comfortable with who they are and they're ready. But I, I think you're right, Wardy, that the Heat will definitely scrape one, maybe two. I think um, I think two. But yeah. So you're saying 4-2, Wardy's saying 4-1. I'm going to go for one, but I wouldn't mind it being 4-2 because it'd be nice to to have a little bit of a longer finals because there's no other basketball on at the moment it's weird isn't it when it's only a game every like two there's some of these are three nights in between yeah. aren't they like come on what are we going to talk about what else? are we going to talk about next week honestly <laughs> but no, i do think i would of course i think for me based on the fact that i don't think my heart can deal with milo's heartbreak if the heat lose i really want the heat to win that being said, I think if I was to put my sensible head on and not my head that's currently up in dreamland, I think I can see the Heat winning the first game because it's something that we've seen the whole way through their series. They somehow come out and surprise their their opponents in the first game, so I can see them getting one. Nuggets will will go three on the bounce, and then I do think the Heat will, in again, very similar situation, elimination situation, maybe get one back and then Nuggets will kind of top it off. So I know I'm being very specific there in how I think my 4-2 will be, but I just have this image in my head of Heat coming out all guns blazing, Nuggets saying, nah, hang about, this is our game. Heat having a little bit of a last round, swinging for the fences and then they get knocked out. Like I, I can see it being like that. I think it might be similar to the Lakers Sixers series and was it 2000? Um where the scrappy underdog Sixers, they stole game one, and the Lakers said, "Oh, hang on, this wasn't supposed to happen. We we could have we could have run sixteen games straight here, um, and took over and dismantled them." So I think that could be probably the most similar series in terms of that because they are that good. The Nuggets, Wardy, here's an interesting one that you'll like: DeAndre Jordan's inclusion in uh, the Nuggets squad and uh, being in the finals this year. Completes a 77-year run for which NBA team that an alumni of that team has been in the finals? It's got, oh, it seems too easy to say the Clippers because they've been garbage for so long. and he's They've been, been around far, for though. 77 seasons. True. Oh, uh, God, who's he played for recently? Dallas, he had a cup of coffee with. He was on the Nets, wasn't he, at one stage? He was. It's not them oh. either. There's someone else he had a cup of coffee with. It's not the Knicks because... It's the Knicks. It oh, is wow. the Knicks. The Knicks have a 77-year a run of an, uh, a Knicks alumni being in the finals. Not the Knicks being in the finals, just someone who, who has played. <laughs> you are really grasping at straws there to say the Knicks are in the finals, aren't you? <laughs> I'll get I'll get a Knicks mention at some point during this podcast. Every well, 77 was the year they won, wasn't it? Was it 77? Way back in the 70s somewhere. Uh, before that, wasn't it? Yeah, I'm not sure. 
long time ago. Well, I've got a little, little nugget of knowledge for you. Every time Kevin Love has made the playoffs, he's gone to the finals. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. <laughs> Incredible that, that he's been on great, he's been on great teams or terrible yeah. teams. Oh, well, I mean, I was literally just about to say, I feel as if the Clippers should probably sign Kevin Love, but you just literally said great teams or terrible teams. <laughs> and I was, kind of, I was kind of walking into that one when I... <laughs> It'll be interesting if they do keep him this year. I guess a lot of what will depend on what happens in the finals. But he's made some fantastic contributions, even if he has moved out of the uh, the lineup. It's nothing to do necessarily with him, and more to do with how Caleb Martin's been playing and and the matchup against the the Celtics personnel. I think. I think everyone is very very excited for the finals. And um, by the time this episode comes out, the first game will be that evening, and uh, I think every NBA fan is going to be kind of just at the edge of their seats, ready for this series, because this is exactly what we said earlier on. Anyone but the Lakers, anyone but the Celtics. So we've got exactly that. We have Jimmy Butler versus uh, Jokic. The Nuggets are either going to get their first championship, which is amazing for them as a franchise, or Jimmy Butler's going to finally win a chip. I've, like As a neutral, this is, I know I've said this a couple of times in these series, this really is win-win as a neutral fan. Oh no, this is the finals that everybody wanted, isn't it? Honestly, when the Celtics got to 3-3, my DMs were going absolutely nuts with people mad, <laughs> so mad. Because <laughs> I, I mean, we all thought the Celtics were going to win game four. They had so much momentum, yeah. didn't they? And you're all like, we know how annoying Celtics fans are. Honestly... After game six, I was so angry the next day. I don't even support either of the teams. I was so angry that the Heat messed up all these opportunities to close it out. And all I was going to have to hear about, because all my friends are bloody Celtics fans, aren't they? All I was going to hear about was, we're the first team to come back from 3-0 down and win 4-3. Uh, you do not want to give them that ammo. They think they're going to win it every year anyway, don't they? Because they, they they won it once since the 80s. <laughs> like, chill out, guys. You've got one chip in 40 years. Like, <laughs> and you had to get the best three players in the entire league to do that. Like you're not, you haven't got a God-given right to get to the finals. Sorry, skills. <laughs> <laughs> At least they got a motto that will stand the test of time. Unfinished business. You can roll that over to the next, <laughs> the next few years, can't you? Yeah, Anyone t-shirt that's... with with that is. Well, it looks like is, but it's eighteen. Yeah, it was, uh, yeah I know. Well, the, the know thing who... is, whoever buys that, that can be a family heirloom in twenty eighteen, can't it? <laughs> That's savage, Woody. We're going to have Celtics fans messaging us saying, how many chips have the Suns won? How many chips are the Knicks won? So, Don't even ask me. Amos, but um, right. <laughs> I, I feel like before we uh, annoy any more Celtics fans, that's probably a fantastic opportunity to, to close out this podcast and uh, say thank you for listening to the Hoops and Recreation podcast. Remember, if you like this episode, leave us a five-star rating and review and share the podcast with your friends and family. Make sure you follow at Sneakers and Recreation on Instagram to keep up to date with all things Hoops and Recreation. And until next time, guys, goodbye.